And we're live. Oh, camera's a little bit fucked up, uh, but we're live. Hi, everybody. It is uh, the 7th of September, 2023. It is episode 170 of my live chat. My name is Luke Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. I greatly appreciate it. How you doing out there? Yeah. Um, we're in the middle of the dumbest <laughs> and weirdest and most awful news cycle. Um, I won't say in MMA history, but in recent times. Yeah, this is a crazy-ass, stupid very weird life we all live so i guess we're going to talk about it today uh let's see what's on the docket uh anything 293 related izzy strickland related francis Ngannou and tyson fury just had their press conference huh that was a little bit um it was big and grandiose it was a little bit boring not boring boring is not quite the unremarkable maybe it's quite it's a better word for it not not quite what i thought it would be i guess um neither here nor there so there's that and uh by the way dylan dan is getting sued i mean the the complaint just came out uh steven morocco mma fighting just posted it so that's craziness there too lots of stuff happening so uh do me a favor if you'd be so kind yes you can give a thumbs up here on the uh on the video that'd be awesome you can um you can subscribe it's free doesn't cost you nothing it's it's really easy and 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 uh, you can participate and we'll go for about an hour with the free questions and then we'll do anything paid you have um, at the end. People were asking about last week uh, why didn't the the uh, the audio get posted? Is because the recorded version was a disaster. I couldn't post it. So this time I'm at home. I'm in my home studio. I think everything will be fine. So this will go up tonight. That's no big deal. But when it that thing last week, like the last like 40 minutes of it was choppy on my end. I mean, maybe it wasn't on the video, but the way it was recorded, it was kind of messed up. So I couldn't really use it. But this one should be fine. This one should be A-OK. All right? All right. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Oh, uh, real quickly, take the poll. We have a poll up right now where we're asking, very simply, anyone taking the upset in the main event? MMA's crazy. You never know. Doesn't seem likely that Strickland will win, but I've seen crazier shit. That's for sure. So, all right, let's get it. All right. Let me see if I can slightly turn this thing. There we go. Better. Look at that. That's a little bit more even, huh? Looks a little nicer. Update. Um, I am seeing a doctor now for my sleep. Uh, has it improved? Somewhat. Somewhat. Everyone's come out of the network or the woodwork with their suggestions, including like taking this medicine. I am on a couple of different ones now, prescribed ones, but also the magnesium uh, glycinate. I'm on that now as well, which is not prescription. You can get that over the counter. Um, I think theanine is how you pronounce it. Theanine. I'm not sure you pronounce it. Uh, that as well and some other stuff too. So we shall see how it goes. I the, the basic problem that I have is I can't I wake up at three every morning and I can't go back to bed until like 530. But then I have to get up again at like seven for my daughter. So it's a problem. But we're working on it. We're working on it to the extent that any of you care. All right. With that in mind, let's get these questions up and get this process started. Shall we? Here we are. Uh, yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, Luke, how do you control anxiety when things get out of control? What do you do to battle it? Well, this is about the only time in my life my anxiety has gotten the better of me. Usually I'm able to handle it. Dude, like anything else, it's just really lifestyle choices uh, more than anything else. Uh, um, getting regular sleep, 
to the extent you need any like counseling, you can get it. But getting exercise, there was a there was someone had done a meta analysis of a thousand studies. Did you guys see this? It came out this week. Where did it get published? I don't think it was JAMA. Maybe it was Lan- Lancet. I don't. I, I had to go back and see. But um, it was like a thousand study meta, a thousand studies in a meta analysis that basically had shown uh, that uh, exercise was in certain cases as beneficial, and in other cases even more beneficial than therapy. Um, I don't think it's a one or the other particular kind of equation, but it can be very helpful. But like, I'll tell you right now, like I, I, I can't get my anxiety under control now. Like it's, it has, it is getting the best of me, quite candidly. So um, when I figure it out, I'll let you know. Uh, but usually, I've been able to handle it just by having better lifestyle choices, talking through problems, you know, not holding on to issues, kind of the basic stuff. To be honest with you. All right. Da, 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 da. Uh, how was the reception of the of uh, Las Cafeteras, the women's soccer team in Colombia? How was it? I will tell you, that's the most I've ever seen the country embrace their female soccer team. They were on television commercials. They were in advertisements everywhere. People were wearing the jerseys. The jerseys were fr- prominently featured in uh, uh, Colombia is an Adidas country. Like you can find Nike there, but it's an Adidas country. Like all of them had all that stuff on display, and I'd never ever seen that before. So I'd actually say pretty big, pretty big. I don't know what the television ratings were, but anecdotally, it was way more than I had ever seen before. And I've been going for about 10 years. Uh, let's see. This one's about the D.C. area. I'll skip that one. All right, Luke, what works for you? Oh, here. What works for you and what doesn't for you regarding your sleep problems? Well, uh, candidly, not much is working. Not much is working. The medication is helping a little bit. A little bit. Um I can't stop waking up at three. I cannot, I cannot stop exercise check eat carbs uh, as your last meal check, but don't eat three hours before eating check. Don't drink water or any liquids two hours before sleeping check. Take a hot bath before sleep check. Don't have any blue light or any light, you know, read a book before you go to bed check. Uh, Make it nice and cold check. I mean, all the kinds of things that you can do for sleep hygiene, I'm now doing. It's making a little bit of difference, but not much of one. Um, so I, to what you can attribute that to, again, stress, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I, I, I would imagine that's the best explanation, but it's a little harder to tell you what, what's working because I have not solved the problem yet. But I, it, has to, it has to be the case that if you use these better sleep hygiene practices over time, that it results in better outcomes over time. But I guess we'll have to see. Look, if Izzy were to somehow lose to Strickland and, uh, this is an important caveat, it wasn't controversial, should he get an immediate rematch? Um, okay, so two different questions. Should he or will he? Should he? No. No. I don't think he should. Uh, and that's me talking, you know, a guy who's been a big uh, supporter of his career he lost to Pereira and then got it back, which was big. But if you lose two times in three fights, you, you're not, in my judgment, entitled to an immediate rematch, especially in this particular case if it's controversial. Now, I, I suspect, since this would be a huge upset if he were to get it, that they probably would, in fact, run it back. Um, but I would be okay if they didn't. It's just that, like from the division standpoint, like, what would the UFC want to do with Strickland as champion? Would they want to give him Hamzat next? Would they want to give him Drickus next? How much would that sell? I still think that they would probably believe that that new... They, at that point, they would probably have a rivalry, right? A real rivalry, a Sean and 
Izzy as a as a polar opposite kind of pair, not just in like the way they're presented to the world, but competitively now, right? Because here's the issue: like they're obviously very different people as promotional entities, but most people don't believe it's a competitive rivalry. We'll see what happens on Saturday, but that's the prevailing belief. You turn that on its head, and you got a whole new different kind of scenario. So I suspect that if it is a situation where Strickland wins, yeah, my door's locked because uh, here comes the Tukester, and it wasn't controversial. No, I don't. I, I'm I'm of the belief, man, where if you're losing two title fights and out of three of them, you 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 know I don't care who you are, you shouldn't be getting immediate rematches. That would be crazy. But I tend to think that he probably would, just given how the business operates. So you know, different different set of circumstances, but um. Yeah. Yeah, Tukster's home. Let's see this. There we are. Ooh, whoops. There we go. All right. Let's go to this next one. Uh, Luke, how much of an improvement do you think Izzy has made in his BJJ with all the training he's been doing with Craig Jones? Could it be a useful trick up his sleeve? For his last couple of fights, as he gets older and fighters start to figure out his current style, do you think it's even possible for Izzy to make a significant change in his game at this point? For example, at the end of Poetan versus Izzy 1, Izzy could have shot for a takedown to prevent the ref from stopping the fight. But I think it's just so ingrained. That's a good point. But I think it's just so ingrained in his mind that he should stay on the feet that it didn't even cross his mind to shoot. That's a great point. His approach to MMA might just be too striking focused to make a significant change in his style. Uh, that's probably true. Um, so you're asking like what impact Craig Jones can make? Well, like you understand what Craig Jones is trying to teach people. Craig Jones is trying to teach. I don't know if this is the best way to explain it. I'm not even sure how true this is and what I'm about to say, but I'm trying to think of a helpful way to understand it. It's almost like Craig Jones is teaching a hybrid style of grappling that is between catch wrestling and jujitsu. They're just calling it jujitsu. But Craig Jones is trying to teach people about the value of actual control, pinning, Turks, half Nelsons, half Nelsons, full, um, you know, uh, any number of different tricks that you can employ to actually pin someone either on their back or actually on their chest. Um, either way, you can kind of you know keep them wrist controls, different kinds of wrist rides. Now they're not the, the reason why it's not catch wrestling is catch wrestling has a lot of like pain submissions, you know, and it's a real brutal form. It's not exactly that, although the methods of control can be painful, but it's not exactly that. It's still sort of jujitsu based in its approach to submissions and chokes and everything else, but it's a lot of you know. Um, a focus on that a little bit more like the Dagestani style of grappling. And so, you know, if you just look defensively at what Craig Jones has been doing for a guy like Volkanovsky, where he's been using Sumigeshi to stuff some of uh, Makachev's takedowns and how much he was able to nullify Makachev's grappling, I guess, you know, there was obviously Makachev was able to get to the back. He's a naturally bigger guy, but you know, a lot of what he does was nullified. I think, you know, you have that. Now, the thing is in Sean's particular case, I just don't know how relevant these considerations even are. Um, I guess we'll see. This is much more relevant for a situation like Hamzat or Bo Nickel, should it ever come to that, right? Um, so that's really not where we are. But I do think your point about him like not having the situational 
not even awareness, but the situational instinct to shoot. I think that's a good point. And I think that's probably always going to be some kind of a limit. There's always going to be trade-offs in one direction or another where uh, they have to give up certain things to get another. Um, and that's going to be a lot of like just ingrained competitive preference. Um, you're probably right about that. That will probably limit him. The question is not that. The question is, I think, for a guy like Sean, if Sean wraps up with him and now they're tussling and now they are, or, you know, um, if if he actually even finds himself on top, are there methods of control that he can use to keep Sean pinned if he's underneath? Are there methods of uh, escape um, that a guy like Craig is very good at teaching submission defense, what to do in like really very bad situations. Like for some of the, you know, you could tell that they, for example, when Volkanovski fought Ortega, they had drilled what to do in certain uh, submissions, like what kind of physical cues to call out, shoulder, shoulder, shoulders, putting the shoulders back, that kind of a thing. So I think he can be very beneficial. When someone comes around with like a very new way of looking at uh, the sport, even for a more older or advanced athlete in the way that Izzy is, or Sean Strickland or really anybody else, a lot can be gained with a brand new approach. It's just that when everyone has the same information, basically, and then you get older, there's really not much you can tweak at that point. So, yeah. If I had the option to move to any EU country to live and work, uh, Spain. Spain, yeah. Uh, let's see. Have you heard about Fernand Lopez becoming a matchmaker of PFL Europe? No. Seems to have largely flown under the radar, if true. Um... I'd have to double check, but I was actually talking with someone in the PFL this week and about a bunch of stuff, and definitely that's not at all what I heard. No. So I'll go back and double check, but I'm going to tell you that that's probably not true. You might be asking, does he have undue influence over some of the matchmaking? That might be a different thing. But like, I, well, I guess I'm, I'm not sure what you're asking. Are you saying becoming a matchmaker for people like you're saying like in a formal capacity like in a formal capacity he definitely isn't in an informal capacity that's sort of a different kind of conversation but my understanding is that's not the case not the case at all uh okay next luke the antitrust lawsuit court date is now set for april 8th 2024 uh what effect do you think this will have on ufc 300 none None. Um, the Cajun Johnson case would be the one, everything after 2017 up until today. That that case is uh, headed for discovery, but I don't think they, they you know, they're in the early stages of that. And UFC 300 is still going to be an extravaganza. I mean, even this week, Dana White was talking to, about the PFL, like, you know, they run business like a charity and whatnot. Like, you know, he wasn't as disparaging as he had been in the past, but he was still kind of bragging not about their market concentration and power, but just about how, how uh, inept and incapable everyone else is. And they, you know, they sort of like kind of loosely attribute it to all the things that they do right, some of which is true. Uh, but of course, what the what the plaintiffs are saying in the fighter lawsuit is it's more than that, that you can attribute it, in fact, to um, business practices that limit competition. But what effect will it have on UFC 300? I don't think it will have any. Okay. Here we go. 
Look, you've talked about the influence of culture on combat sports participation before. I want to inquire about the economic influences. I don't have the data in hand, but wealth or lack of wealth appears to be a significant indicator of participation in combat sports with wealth inequality projected to increase worldwide. You see this driving the overall rates of uh, participatory rates of combat sports worldwide. Uh, I think you're trying to, uh, in good faith, but I think you're trying to take an argument about late stage capitalism and then trying to infer what kind of downstream sports implications there might be. I have no fucking idea. Yeah. I mean, yes, it is like, it is obviously quite true that people of uh, humble or meager means often are attracted to combat sports, sports in general, actually, but certainly combat sports more than that. But it's also true. Like, for example, we, like I just saw, uh, France is playing Ireland, right? Some of the national team play. And, you know, France has this incredible system where if they're, if you're from any country, like all these countries who were um, not client states, but colonial, uh, colonially occupied by them, they, in many cases, they're eligible for, you know, repatriation, immigration benefits, and also participation with French athletics. And, um, you know, they've got world-class facilities and world-class training. So you've got like this, you know, incredible pool of talent from which to pull. And then on top of it, you've got world-class training facilities. Like it is true as a mechanism of who gets recruited and who has the kind of, you know, gusto to pursue it. People of hard scrabble backgrounds are off, often find themselves in these roles, but it is also true that, you know, some exceptions here or there uh, in general, in sports, world-class facilities for those kinds of people are going to produce better outcomes. I mean, this is quite obvious, but like, what does worldwide, like, what does the, 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 the Gini coefficient going up do for sports participatory rates? I, I fuck all if I know, you know, uh, look, you've mentioned many times you're going to walk out MMA, be big mouth strikes again by the Smiths. However, I've never heard you explain why you chose that song in particular. Also, you never struck me as a fan of the Smiths or Morrissey. Not enough chug chugs. You know what I mean? Um, mostly it was um, it was because at the time in which I was, I, I mean, this, the story has kind of stayed the same. I don't know if the, I don't know if the answer would be the same anymore if I was asked it, but there was a time in MMA when this was basically, you know, back when the UFC and everybody else was doing like new metal face to pain crap, you know? And like, Every everything was aggro in your face, blah, you know, just constant, just everyone's bitter all the time. The lyrics of the song are, you know, brutal and violent, but the it's got this sort of relative to stems face the pain. It's got this sort of, you know, very beautiful melody uh, to a degree, and so it was this contrast. It, you got the bite of, you know someone saying let me pull up the lyrics for this so you guys can see for yourself strikes again it's a great song um here here we go here we go let's let's switch this up all right look so sweetness sweetness i was only joking when i said i'd like to smash every tooth in your head Sweetness, sweetness. I was only joking when I said, by rights, you should be bludgeoned in your bed. And now I know how Joan of Arc felt. Um, it was this atmospherics that you see here of of brutality 
that is written. That's not, I'm not here to say that the song doesn't have more uh, significant or deeper meaning, but that it used this imagery. And yet in contrast, it wasn't cannibal corpse, like where it's all the time, you know, there was this, there was this dichotomy. I kind of liked that at the time in which I was watching MMA or the time, which I first got asked that everything was just fucking aggro in your face. Blah. And I kind of had enough of it, but I do like the Smiths. I mean, how soon is now was a fantastic song. Um, yeah, I like, I mean, I'm not a Smiths expert by any stretch, but I like them. What would be next for Taito Ivasa? Beating Volkov would be a good win. That'd be a good win, man. Um, Volkov is like, you know, just kind of outside that, that gone Aspinall Pavlovich territory. He's, out, he's a little bit outside of that but he's kind of hovering, you know, if you're not ready for that, he'll, he'll be the first to discover it. So that would put him in a good, strong elite space. Um, but you know, the, to me, it's not like, could you, you could, what if he gets his ass kicked the whole fights and the, uh, the whole fight, excuse me, and then pulls off like what Derek Lewis does, but he just leaps into range and just fucking pops him. I, I don't know how much that would prove. I can, I think what I'm looking to see is what can he prove? What can he like verifiably prove? with skill development and getting better and everything else like that what can he what can he do to like actually make a difference there yeah here we go you guys ever seen this nerd wax sounds like something bc puts on his balls hold on um let's put this on you put it on your glasses and it helps you stay on your face that's what they say uh but to answer the question about Tuivasa, yeah, I, 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 I'm not a win. I can see scenarios where he could win and not do the kinds of things that I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if he can do. What I'm looking to see is like, what kind of ceiling does he actually have? Uh, the Pavlovich fight, I know he took it, you know, under less than ideal circumstances, but this one is much more ideal. So let's see what he can put together. Best three advices. Uh, advices is not a word, but. Uh, best three pieces of advice you've ever gotten in your life. Um, ooh. Uh, save your money and put it into 401k. That's one. It's been a good one. Um, I'll tell you, I'll just give you one. I'll just give you one, a, a good one. A lot of people say, don't pursue your passion because if you pursue your passion, it might corrupt your passion or you might, you know, you won't go far because you were better suited for something else and it will blow up in your face. And that's true. And it's not true. But I think here is what I would say about it. If you're not good at your passion, um, yeah, you probably shouldn't do it for a living. Like if the thing that you love is really just a hobby that you've got, you know, some skill at or whatever, but it's not, you can't really earn a living off of it without just incredible sacrifice and, or, you know, being destitute through long periods of your life, then you should probably rethink it. But what I would say is the overarching theme would be um, get good at something. And then whatever that is, you should follow that. You have to develop a skill. If you're lucky enough to develop a skill through your passion, well, then you're in good shape. And then I don't see what the problem would be with pursuing your passion. So it's not a question of do it or don't, but you have to really be very, very clear-eyed about what you have to do. You have to develop skills. You have to develop a skill set around a particular kind of exercise or a form of expertise or field um, that is 
monetizable, that is, has lasting value, uh, and that you have demonstrated ability in. And if you don't have demonstrated ability, go to what you have demonstrated ability in. Uh, because just loving something and then not getting very far in it and being broke all the time or whatever, um, this is not a path to like happiness. This is not a path to being a well-adjusted adult. This is a path to disaster. You know. Uh, Luke, last... Oh, that's terrible. Uh, Luke, last year my pops passed from cancer. Sorry to hear that, bro. Since I fought my first fight in MMA, became a supervisor, but I'd be... I'd, I, excuse me. I have since fought my first fight in MMA, became a supervisor, but I'd be lying if I say every day I don't think about that mf -er. Uh I don't know how to move past it. Been a year, and I don't know how to live without my old man. Anyway, much love. Oh, a year is nothing, bud. A year is nothing. Ready for this one? Next, I didn't even realize this until today. I actually texted uh, BC and uh, our producer about it because it was on my mind. Uh, I realized today that next month, so October of 2023, will be 20 years since my mom died. And there are certain times it feels like 20 minutes ago, 20 hours or 20 days. Dude, it's always going to feel uh, like you don't want to live without them because you don't. And you're just not going to give that up very easily. We've been over this conversation a million times, but the basic idea is that that pain just doesn't go away. You just build up the resiliency to deal with it. You know, 500 pounds on the deadlift is 500 pounds. That doesn't change. But if you get strong enough to lift it, well, then you're in a good, then there you are. But it, it remains 500 pounds. Nothing about that ever changes. That's what this is, dude. That's what this is. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to be just uh, just a level with you. I mean, obviously, your situation is terrible. And I extend to you my sincerest condolences and deepest sympathies. But that's the reality, bro. It will always be awful. Um, but but the good news is you will have, over time, the ability to handle that with a, you know, with a little bit more steely-eyed um, concentration, you know. But yeah, dude, that's going to be real bad for a long time. I, dude, fuck me. I mean, two, two years, three years into it, I was still, fuck, three, four, five, just, dude. I just drank forever after that. I mean, I drank forever, forever after that. Like one year, it, it, you know, it feels like, ah, oh, it's a year. Like when is it going to get better? It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while, dude. So my recommendation is to not focus on when is this going to stop feeling like shit and more uh, focus on what can I do to uh, create some resiliency and resolve. Um, because, you know, just think about it, dude. It's illogical to be like, oh, I don't miss my dad anymore. It's illogical. I mean, for certain people, that won't be the case. But like in your particular case, that's obviously going to be true. You, it, There's never going to be a day where you don't miss this guy. It's never going to happen. So you can't go look for that. You have to look for something else. You have to look... Um, you have to look for sources of strength that build you up not bring that down to earth. That is what it is. There's a question here about Benoit St. Denis. So I brought up something on the MK extra credit where I said, he, you know, he absorbed a lot of strikes per minute five plus. And folks have said, well, that's all because of one fight. Yes and no. Yes and no. Yes, it is true that it is heavily skewed by one fight numerically. That is true. 
But you combine that with the tape study, and the dude takes hard punches clean a lot. A lot. That one went the there was a lack of a referee stoppage or intervention, which let that one go way too long, which just led to just a lot of extra difficulty. So again, the point I'm trying to make here about Benoit Saint Denis is I'm not declaring to you that, you know. I can predict the future exactly what's happening with him, but this idea like, oh, let's peg him as a future champion. Takes he 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 does not incorporate defense as seriously as he needs to. I was kind of using that number as a shorthand explanation for that or a shorthand representation of that fact, which is a little bit off. Um, and I, I I understand why people push back against it. But I, I think the tape is clear on him that even in his last fight, way too willing to sit in mid-range and accept punishment. And, you know, Moises is a good fighter. That's a great win. But in this division, you cannot make trade-offs like that for very long. Do you foresee a time when contracts are more visible? No. Um, let's see. Ooh, good question. Look, your favorite style of MMA fighter to watch, just for the pure enjoyment of it. Wrestle boxers, technical kickboxers, Dagestani smother style. Also, if you haven't been to the PNW, I would highly recommend it. Some of the most beautiful places. Oh, Pacific Northwest. America has to offer. Dude, I have never been to Seattle. It's like I cannot believe uh, I've never been there, but I've never been there. So that's depressing. But all right, either here nor there. Um, for the longest, it was going to be like the jujitsu guy, and then that kind of morphed into the Dagestani guy. And I'd still kind of say it's the Dagestani, you know, wrist control, heavy ground and pound kind of guy. Um, but it's morphed a little bit more along striking lines these days. Um, the pinpoint accurate striker is the one I kind of like the most. Uh, I like Sean O'Malley's game. I like Sean O'Malley's game. I mean, his personality is not for me. You know, all the, well, his craziness of whatever he does is not for me. But, again, just speaking about his game, you're asking about the games of people. And not that, like, you know, he's a, he's a nice guy. Like, he's always been nice to me. I like Sean as a uh, – in, in terms of the person I've interacted with. I'm just saying, like, that kind of the, – the hair and the clothes and all that kind of face tattoos. Like, you know, it's not for me, but who gives a fuck? Like, it's not my life. It's his. Anyway, neither here nor there. The point I'm trying to make is about the game. I, his game is is awesome to watch. Um, that kind of a thing, a real pinpoint. I mean, you know, again, guys, like that with Bud Crawford, like kind of just blew my mind with what he did against Errol Spence. Uh, and then you guys see Spence trigger the rematch clause. So we're going to get two of them. Um, that kind of thing has really, really uh, taken hold. But in general, it's been grappling-based. More recently, kind of Habib style fighter i'd say that's the guy i typically have liked the most but that's beginning to change who has the best tattoos by division damn motherfucker i don't know like people's tattoos that well uh yeah i don't know i don't know dude i don't know uh so i was asking again if strickland wins on saturday would there be an immediate rematch probably probably Okay. Luke, I do a lot of running, and friends have got bad injuries preventing them from progressing. What are your top three MMA names if they didn't get injured in early in their development? Sean O'Malley, injuries and suspension. Do you think any of those different? Jesus, top three from injuries. Um, 
goddamn, that's a good question. I have to think about that one. I don't. I can't like the the immediate recall of it. You guys have to imagine I'm sleeping like four hours a night for like the last forever. You know my I, my recall has dramatically suffered. Um, I, I'm not sure. I, I know guys who have suffered like knockouts early that kind of fucked up their development. You know, or they're like bad losses that fucked up their development. T. Edwards would be one. David Terrell would be another one. Um, there's a few. Uh, what was the guy? The uh, the Division One heavyweight who won, won the national title. He fought one time for like pro elite or elite XC, and then was like, "Fuck this." He was training at AKA. He was a Division One national champion. He was like, "Yeah, fuck this." Not, not, not about this. Um, there's always kind of a question about Rulon Gardner, you know, that kind of thing, but. uh that's a weird question i'm gonna skip that one about the like pay in different countries due to globalization that's a little weird one okay here we go uh luke where does flyweight rose rank among the most misjudged weight changes uh i think we don't have enough information to fully declare this it did not look to me like she was a good fit for it based on this performance. But if you can't make a grip and you can't make a fist to throw in a fight sport, dude, you're pretty fucking limited. You know? That's a major That's a major hiccup in the middle of a fight. Early in the fight, too. It wasn't like it was late third round. It was like, what, early, mid or so of the first. I mean, it was just a, it was a mess for her. So that's just not a great... This is not a, it wasn't a great look. Based on the look that we did get, did I get a lot of confident feelings that she could physically hang at 125? No. I don't think she's going to be super outskilled, but I can understand some of the other trepidations that folks might have um, about some of those things. So I think you need to see more. I do. I understand being apprehensive, but definitive seems to me premature. No. Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, Luke, what would your thoughts be if Demetrius Johnson came back to Bantamweight to fight Sugar Sean? DJ has said he's been thinking about retiring in MMA unless he feels motivated to go through big training camps. Given Sean's star power and DJ's legacy in MMA, this could draw big numbers, not to mention Henry Cejudo being a cornerman and adding more eyeballs. So uh, when DJ fought uh, Dominic Cruz, it was here in D.C. Down there at the Verizon Center. I was there cage side for it. And, you know, what you really saw there was DJ is not a good fit for 135. Now, I know everyone's at 135 now up at one, so it's a little bit different. I think he's obviously gotten way better since that time. And Cruz was able to win that with wrestling, which Sugar Sean would not win that with wrestling if he were to win. But if Aljamain Sterling is having trouble getting him down, I would imagine DJ would too. DJ is a very – I mean, DJ is good everywhere, but he probably is not going to win a fight on the feet. The point I'm trying to make is – um, he's fighting good, tough, like very respectable opponents in one. And what he did in the Marais, uh, uh the last fight, the one in Denver, it was just amazing. Amazing what he was, he's been able to do. And then testing himself, even against brown belts uh, in the Masters uh, IBJJF tournament was spectacular. But I think it would go poorly for him if he went against the very best bantamweights in the world today. Uh, as a, na a more natural flyweight. So I understand that he has 
that he is better, that he has shown, I think, better ability against bigger guys than he did at the time which he fought Dominic Cruz. But I don't ultimately think that it would change his fortunes if he were to return. Um, you know, I, I think he should do what he wants. But if he comes back to the UFC, I think it would be, you know, I don't, I don't think it would go all that well. Uh, let's see, Luke, a longtime listener, first time commenter with Izzy's recent comments on UFC 300, right? He wants to compete there. It seems like all the stars want to be on that card. Who do you think UFC would like to have a headline, co-headline? Uh, assuming double retirement in November, Connor O'Malley, Izzy Volk. Yeah, you, you got it. They would throw some women on there as well. You know, they would probably have, um, I don't know what's going to happen with Grasso and Shevchenko, but the one of those titles, Suarez maybe fighting at 115 for the belt or whatever. But yeah, they're going to have... They're going to have uh, the Connor one is hard to say because like Connor doesn't fight with other people and share rev on the card. So if that is in play, then I don't know what you're going to do. But basically, everyone else you mentioned, I think they would line up in just the way you're talking about it. Yeah, I don't I don't have like, you know, a specific script to follow at this point. But yes, any of their preeminent megastars, they would want to put on it. You know. Oh, man, no. What the fuck? Uh, Luke, did you see John Jones's brother Chandler write out a paper titled "I Used to Think My Idols Were Crazy" with how all over the place it seemed, as well as his recent post? I think he may be going through something related to CTE or mental health issues. Danny V in Thailand, yeah, man, I have not followed this, but I've been seeing the headlines. So Chandler Jones is having some problems and has been beefing with the Raiders. So Arthur Jones played for the Ravens for a time, but he had a PD suspension and his career never recovered. He's out of the league. But Chandler is a fucking beast and has been a beast for quite some time. Oh, yeah, look at this shit. Chandler Jones says Raiders sent crisis team to his home. Yeah, not money. Not money. Shit balls. Uh, well, look at these ads. Jones showed a picture of an expired badge belonging to a member of the Vegas CRT and wrote, Raiders sent her to my place. You need to come with us. You're in danger with a laughing face emoji. They had me outside in my drawers, LOL, naked. The lady was rude. Then I got to showing her some of them text. And then she switched up. Buddy from the Raiders tried to get me to the give me the look. Like, don't say anything. Now I understand why players turn to social media. At first, I frowned upon it. But it's our only outlet. If I didn't do this, it would have been kept under wraps. Anybody interviewed them and asked them why I'm not on the team because I don't know. Uh, damn. Jones, who missed a handful of practices late in training camp for an undisclosed reason, also posted a screenshot of an alleged August 18 text exchange with Raiders coach Josh McDaniels, in which Jones later said, I won't share anything else if the Raiders let him play in Sunday's season opener at the Denver Broncos. Y'all see how Buddy talked to me like I'm an item. LMAO, look at my text and look at his. Jones also posted a video of himself winning reps in joint practice with the San Francisco 49ers. He's just 33 still. God damn. Entering a second season on a three-year, $51 million free agent contract with the Raiders. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, apparently he's having a mental episode or not. I'm not exactly sure what's going on with that. But something is an issue. Yeah. And then and then uh, McDaniel says, quote, we've never really gone into those kinds of things, so I'm going to steer away from that, end quote. I hope he's okay. I don't know. But that sounds bad. That doesn't sound money. Talk about a sport with head injuries and shit. Like, who knows? All right, clear that off. There we go. All right, yeah, let's get to this crazy-ass story. Uh, here we go. Hey, Luke. Here we go. 
I would like to know what you think about the Izzy dog situation. Yeah, well, he was tweeting through it today. Do you think it could be enough to distract him from Sean Strickland? No. Also, if he does somehow lose immediate rematch. Yeah, everyone's asking about the immediate rematch. Again, one more time on the immediate rematch. I don't think if he, okay, if he were to lose and it were to be completely fair and reasonable, then I don't think he should be getting a rematch. But I suspect that if it were to happen, he would. Okay. So what I think about the dog situation, um, you know, one of the situations where when it becomes your news cycle, you're like, I, I don't know how you can't look at that and be like, what have I done with my life that this is a thing I have to now <laughs> like I'm a 44 year old man on his podcast being like do MMA fighters jack off their dogs I mean I you know just saying it you're like this is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever had you know who the fuck okay um uh, I saw the video it's an old video like that thing had surfaced a long time ago I guess you know here, here's one thing I can say for sure. People are fucking bored with this fight, so like they got to find something to give a fuck about, so I think that's partly it. It is weird. I mean, it's weird. I mean, folks, if you got dogs, don't touch your dog like that, please. Like, don't fucking do that, you know? And, uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> do I need to tell people not to do that? Like, obviously, don't fucking do that. And, uh, yeah, it's fucking weird, dude. He's a weird guy. He's a weird guy. He does weird shit. And then, that, I mean, that's, I, mean I don't even think that's the full story because uh sean strickland apparently i saw some screenshots i'm not verified but i saw some screenshots floating around where he admitted on like instagram uh stories to like killing a dog or he he regretted it but it's like dude what the fuck is going on here you know the whole thing is just awful uh yeah dude izzy's a weird dude it's weird and it's gross and of course it's you know uh you can't defend you know, like people are like, he, I mean, I can't believe we have to have this fucking combo. People are turning into like, is he bangs dogs? Well, c calm down here. Moral panic. I don't think it's quite that, but like, you know, fondling your dog, however humorous you might imagine that to be probably not a good idea. You know, probably not. I, I mean, I can't even imagine it would occur to most people to not to like, have to like resist the urge to do that. Uh, don't, don't do that shit. Like respect your dog's bodily autonomy to the extent that, you know, short of pulling the tennis ball out of their mouth or whatever you should respect their bodily body autonomy yeah it's he's it's fucking weird i mean uh, you know i i uh <laughs> i don't i don't know what else to say. like the whole thing is bizarre uh candidly and then he was he was leaning into it today did you guys see the tweets at first i didn't even know what the fuck people were talking about because and then i you know i caught up on the story and then uh and then he was tweeting through it like Here's this dog doing this thing around me. Here's this dog doing that. And then he turned it into like a John Wick thing. Like he, you know, I, I just can't believe I'm 44 and this is the shit I have to talk about on a Thursday. Like nothing says that people are, you know, yes, that shit's gross and weird. I mean, obviously, but on top of it, like people are like really interested in this. And I'm like, man, if you're really interested in this, you're a dumb motherfucker. Like it's, it's weird and it's worth, you know, uh, examining enough to make sure crimes aren't being committed. But more than that, I don't really know what to say, except the motherfuckers in this sport are weird as shit, you know, but like, that's the other part too. It's like, don't get me wrong. Like you can't defend it. It's fucking gross and weird. But you know, if you went to the cops with that video in Auckland, you'd be like, yo, I got proof that this guy is abusing dogs. And they'd be like, all right, let's see it. And then you showed them that it's it to get the fuck out of the office. 
you know they would they get this this is not enough to like criminally convict someone however weird and uh bizarre it might be so i'm with you all that i saw that i was like dude what the fuck like don't do that like that's like what are we doing here you know um but you know i would if 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 we don't have to go into like is this a crime territory um, you know, what's the famous saying? The unexamined life is not worth living. I would rather spend my time once we can check that off the box. Or, or what am I saying? Once we can um, remove that as a uh, concern, is it a crime or not? I mean, I guess the, this was a long time ago and the dog is now deceased, but um, I can't believe I have to fucking talk about this shit. It's like so, it just, just I don't know how as an MMA fan you can't be embarrassed that this is the fucking discourse on fight week right like this is embarrassing for the sport that this is a thing that is coming up in press conferences uh i i sort of understand it but like the whole thing is just it's a weird look for him it's it's it's, it's a bad look in many ways uh it's a bad look for the sport it's a weird look for the sport it's gross why are we talking about this any more than we have to like this is the shit we got to talk about people's people's dogs dicks <laughs> what what are we doing what are we doing how old are we you know how, how i mean how old are we folks how old are we so you know listen i don't know i don't know why anyone would be compelled to do weird ass shit like that but i don't know i don't know it's yeah it's with weird and gross dude it's weird and gross. It's weird and gross. There's really no two ways about it. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty fucking stupid that my life has amounted to this. That on November, excuse me, that September 7th, 2023, gray-haired, I'm looking at you being like, well, let's talk about uh, this uh, guy's dog's dick and uh, to what extent it was fondled. I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Like, like what has happened to my life? <laughs> That this is the, this is the topic that I have to, uh, you know, this is the topic du jour. Like, oh, also it's just like off-putting to even have a conversation about it, you know. So I think everyone should probably calm down a little bit, but at the same time, yeah, man. But like, you know, is he... even this week, he was like, yeah, if I have kids, they're going to be homeschooled. Not a great idea. Not a great idea. And, you know, I, th- I don't, if I recall correctly, he's expressed support for like Andrew Tate and stuff like that. Like he's got a lot of, dude, all of these guys have just crazy. I, you know, what's kind of funny. I was thinking about this the other day, irrespective of this situation. Like, it's kind of funny that a lot of these fighters get done with their career and they're like, yeah, I'm thinking about like running for office. And that, like, dude, you have seen examples where that has worked out actually uh, on a smaller level. But it's like, some of my fighters often don't realize that they have views that are far outside the mainstream uh, or what is even electable, um, even in a, you know, very partisan primary situation. Like to say nothing of like to what extent they understand the mechanisms of government and what the responsibility would be more than that. It's like, here is the, like, what's the core set of, ideas that the vast majority of americans would support like okay to what extent do a lot of the ideas espoused by retiring mma fighters match that it's not a lot of overlap it's not a lot of overlap they believe in and 
do a lot of weird shit. And it's all in various degrees and in various different places, a little distressing. Um, if you've got a good idea about what to do about it, you know, let me know. I certainly fucking don't. Uh, that's a weird question, but I'll something that tickles you, something that you think of and can't help but laugh at, no matter how long ago it was or how silly it is. What is up with these questions? Um, I mean, there was one time uh, in 29 Palms, we were heading out for a CAX combined arms exercise, and we were sleeping in these like Quonson huts. If you've ever been out to anyone who's a Marine who's ever been out to 29 Palms, there's this, the, the, there's the base itself, and then you drive out a little bit further, and there's like this staging base. And in the staging base, they have they have like a PX or a, like a mini PX, like a restaurant. You can get beers there when you come back and stage. But you know, you sleep in the, like these Quonson huts, like these metal huts that are all like this. They're long and they're like the the foundation is actually dug into the ground. So when you go in them, you actually go not underground, but a little bit below ground level. And this one time, this Marine was like, we had to sleep because we had to, the next day we had to go out into the into the field. This motherfucker was snoring. I mean, sawing logs. And I was like, dude, no, I'm, I'm just not playing this. And it ended up being like an officer, like a field grade officer. And I took a handful of sand underneath my, my, my cot. I had a cot and I just fucking chucked that shit and hit him right in the face with it. And, uh, he was bitter. He was bitter, but he stopped snoring. He actually moved huts. Um, you know, one of those things where you gotta be there to be there, but the joy I took in throwing a handful of sand in that fucker's face for snoring Makes me happy. Ooh. Uh, if Sean beats Izzy, where would it stand on top upsets in MMA? So what is Izzy? Like a minus? Let's see. Izzy is a... Here we go. God damn. Minus 700 in certain places. Plus five. I mean... It wouldn't be Ronda Rousey-esque. I'm going to guess top 10, maybe even top 5. Probably closer to top 10. The question is not so much in upsets in all of MMA betting, but in title fights. It'd probably be top 5 or top 10. Um, again, if Sean beats Izzy... Okay, da, 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 okay. let's go to this one. Look, it seems uh, at least to me that John Jones is not long for the sport. With that being said, the three top contenders that come to mind if he departs are Aspinall, Pavlovich, and Gone. Do you see one asserting themselves as the dominant heavyweight, or do you think, yeah, no, there's definitely going to be a pecking order? I, 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 I slept on Pavlovich for the longest. It might be him. Gone, I think, still has some work to do, so I don't really know how that one's going to go. Um, but Pavlovich has weaknesses too. There will be a pecking order, but like what's exciting about the current state of them is that they all kind of do slightly not Aspinall and gone are more alike. Obviously Pavlovich is, is more like the heavy hitter, but he's not quite the athlete that those two guys are. Um, and not as well-rounded, I don't think as Aspinall. So Aspinall might be the, the leader, but he kind of, you know, he's a little bit doing this when he competes too. So we'd have to see. More questions about Izzy's weird-ass behavior. 
Okay. Uh, Look, some people seem to say or imply that PFL acquiring Bellator would be a huge game changer, but just thinking of it objectively, there really aren't any cross-promotional matchups I've been, quote, dying to see between Bellator and PFL. Most of the cross-promotional matchups I want to see between Bellator's 135ers and 45ers versus UFC's. Yes. Aside from maybe maybe Harrison versus Cyborg, are there really any cross-promotional matchups between PFL and Bellator that you as an MMA fan are dying to see that you feel will help make the PFL must-see should they eventually acquire Bellator? Or is the hope that the PFL would just be able to market AJ's, Pitbulls, and Usman's and other top Bellator fighters better than Bellator? No. The You're right that, you know... Um, the real game changer would be getting access to the guys who move the needle on pay-per-view. The Sean O'Malley's, the Izzy's, the, the eventually the Aspinall's or whoever, you know, pick, pick your guy, pick whoever that is. The McGregor's, you know, uh, that that's the goal. The goal is to get access to those guys, the proven draws on pay-per-view, or at least the guys who at a bare minimum, um, you know, command attention in that space. The purchase of Bellator is significant because one, um, well, the main point about purchasing Bellator is how much it fortifies the roster. Because right now, Bellator, right now, PFL has a bunch of guys that people just don't necessarily know, uh, and of course, that doesn't change overnight by acquiring Bellator. But now you have a much more fleshed out bantamweight division a much more fleshed out featherweight lightweight division 170 to an extent their light heavyweight division is one of the best in the world in bellator if not the best like it's really really good so it gives you roster depth and quality to do the kinds of to do the kind of deal that the the deals that pfl wants they want to do everyone wants to copy the ufc they want to do you know similar kinds of margins similar kinds of content and so it gives them the ability to produce that kind of content with a much healthier version of the product. You know, it's not just a hey, they got Shane Burgos here, they got OAM there, that's cool. But then what about next week? And it's a bunch of people you don't know. No, now it's got a little bit more life to it. They can do a little bit more with it. They can play. It gives them the ability to produce this content factory in a much more nimble and uh, forthright way. It doesn't change their fortunes insofar as what they really need is the access to the premier end of the drawing talent. So no, it's a two-part problem they would have to solve. But giving the fighters a, a clear number two to be like, okay, this is the, like, what's the Pepsi to the Coke here? It would make them that. Now, again, I keep hearing that they want to do the brand separately, which if anyone from PFL is watching, please don't fucking do that. You are wasting your time and everyone else's time doing that. Please don't fucking do that. What a gigantic mistake that would be. Burning money to just burn money. Don't do that. The the Bellator IP, I, I don't know how much value that has, but I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think it has a whole lot. But um the roster has a tremendous amount of value for the reasons aforementioned. The the library has a tremendous amount of value for any number of obvious reasons, like really using that and then i think relaxing some of their tournament format that's the way they have to go that's that's the future that's the path that's that's the key but just buying yeah we're going to keep brands separate motherfucker for what for what i mean there might be some kind of play where they can get more in television rights 
by having separate brands, which might explain that reasoning. But if there's not that to it, then it's utterly pointless and, and frankly, counterproductive. Don't do that shit. Don't. It's a waste of everyone's time. Um, thoughts on the pay-per-view numbers for this card. Ooh, poor, poor, poor. Um, 253 if that i mean poor yeah luke it seems to me that many people think izzy has has the hometown advantage in australia i as an australian i'm almost certain the crowd will favor strickland as israel's from new zealand yep do you think this could potentially work in sean's favor yeah i mean listen mma fans like that sean strickland type you know he's not exactly like don fry but like that straight talking you know, beer guzzling, I ride motorcycles and, you know, I've got, I've got engine grease on my hands and, you know, I don't, I don't ride in fancy jets and I tell it how it is. They, they love that guy. They love that guy. doesn't matter if he's American or whatever. Uh, I, I think he had the uh, crocodile Dundee hat on, right? So that's what they like. That's what they like. And Izzy is very much not that, you know, for better or for worse, he is not that. Um, so I get it. I get it. I don't really understand the Australian New Zealand rivalry, but not rivalry. I don't quite get them. I don't get the, I don't understand the contours of that relationship very well. So I don't really know what to say about that, but I, I get that he won't have like, you know, Oh, he's from this part of the world. And so we'll naturally just cheer for him. Like it doesn't work that way. MMA fans. I mean, this is, I mean, this is what sort of tells you like MMA fans are kind of all the same. It's, I'm obviously overstating it, but it, you can go anywhere. It's kind of the same type of dude that they like no matter what, you know. Um, or at a bare minimum, this is not the only guy that they like, uh, type of guy. I want to be very clear about that. It's, you know, because you can get – they also like the Leona Machida types and stuff like that too. But they, they, t- they really rally around this like, you know, a guy who fashions himself anyway, sort of like a blue-collar truth teller unafraid right they really really gravitate to that which is often a white guy but not always um they really like that they're like that blue collar tell it like it is hard work says outrageous shit they've always dug that and i think they always will and the fact that 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 guy can cross borders and that that format still works kind of tells you the commonality of fan preference um even across type Uh, is there really a difference in comparison to, um, I was watching, da, 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 trying to find a good one here. Let's see. Is there a good one here? Okay. Yeah, we can do this one and I'll get to some of the paid stuff. If you could interview Sean Strickland, what question would you like a serious answer to, either personally or as a fighter? Uh, I tell you what, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not personally all that interested in the, uh, you know, I, I would ask about the thing he's an expert in. He's an expert in fighting. I think he's got some interesting ideas about that. I would talk to him about that. 
and maybe more than that, like his, I think, you know, really digging into the upbringing, his personal story, him telling his life to you, that could be actually be very interesting. And again, he's an expert in fighting. I could, you know, am I so, uh, am I to presume that I couldn't, I couldn't learn something from him about fighting by talking to him? Of course I could. Of course I could. Um, so yeah, like in a situation where that would ever happen, that would probably be what I would lean on, but you know, it would, it would require him to want to talk about those things in a earnest way. And, you know, a lot of fighters want to use media opportunities for that, but then other stuff too. And I understand that that's their right. But if that's what it was, was going to be, then I wouldn't be all that interested in it candidly. You know, again, guys, like the unexamined life is not worth living. Like if we're not going to do that, then what the fuck are we doing? Right. All right, let's see what you got for the pay questions. Again, if you don't want to, that's cool too. I don't mind. You know, it is what it is. All right. Uh, Kathleen says, thoughts on the barstool layoff? I don't know. So my understanding was they had this deal with this, essentially this, this gambling company that they sold a large share of the company of. They buy it back, and then he immediately lays off, like, what, 100 employees. Now, I think the, the takeaway that I would have from all of this is that Barstool was kind of held up as like, we've got this model, this online model. It's actually distressing. Like we've got this model that works, that makes money. And then again, I think in a, in a smaller scaled version, they can make money. But like this idea that Barstool was above the vices or the voxes or, you know, the because there was a bit of a political or certainly like a cultural divide between them. Like, oh, we're not going to make the same mistakes that those guys make. We've got a better touch on what works. Um, I think that it can work in a perhaps a smaller version of itself, but like the reality is, I mean, show me a media company who isn't struggling. <laughs> I mean, that's the fucking takeaway. Show me a media company who isn't struggling. Um, and it doesn't matter if you got the barstool model, the vice model, the huff post model, the whatever. I mean, they all seem to be eating shit, right? So it's kind of distressing. Like I'm still waiting for someone to come along and have like a, be a big company and make a splash and not just live off venture capital money, but like really prove it. Hey, this is the model. You can follow this model and you can win. And again, there are smaller versions of that, but like a big version. No one can figure it out. No one can seem to make money. It's frightening, actually. Super Dave says, Luke, I'm picking up a very timid one-year-old German Shepherd from the shelter today. Any advice to keep him and my cat from killing each other? Dude, I had a buddy. Um, I won't say who it is, but I had a buddy who had a dog he brought home from the shelter and it mauled his cat. The cat lived, the cat's all right, but it had to lose an arm or a, a leg, I guess. Uh, uh, it, it's front right leg, it had to lose. Um, and so I've never had to deal with a dog being aggressive with a cat. I would not know what to say about that. I've taken dogs home from the shelter, that's true, but they were, like when I picked up Barbus, we picked up Barbus from the shelter, that's where we got that fucking guy. Uh, but when we picked him, we asked him, like, was he good with cats? And they actually had tested him out, and he was fine. So uh, beyond that, dude, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. My friend Miles is considering a career in MMA. What do you think of his proposed ring name? <laughs> I mean, if you want to get booed, if you want to get booed, it's a right-wing sport, ladies and gentlemen. Have you tried cutting out caffeine? Yes. Yes. Not completely. I have to have caffeine in the morning, but like not past two. He says, uh, Cody says, I was a chronic caffeine user in my early 20s and slept three hours a night. Now that I have only a cup in the morning, I sleep great usually. Yeah, I, um, guys, the stress is uh, beating the fuck out of me. It's beating the fuck out of me. So I wish I had a better answer for you, but 
is where I'm at. How true is BRICS? Uh, this is the sort of organization that's forming from Brazil and India and Iran. I think, well, I don't know Iran's in it, but this sort of like, yeah, India, China, South Africa, right? Uh, creating a currency that uh, she make will make U.S. worry as currency low as one equal to their 55. Is this something to worry about? I would really not imagine that it would be. Not now. It's more interesting as a geopolitical alliance than an alternative to the hegemony of the dollar, as I understand it. Uh, thoughts on Izzy diddling a dog on camera and following dog corn account? Oh, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, dude, kind of went over this one. I mean, he's a fucking weirdo, you know? He's a fucking weirdo. He's a great fighter, but he's a fucking weirdo. Has the arrival of Bellingham filled the hole that Benzema and Ronaldo left? So far, Lee in Taiwan. Soon to be a 38-year-old first-time father. Hey, good luck, Lee. Good luck, dude. You'll be fine. You won't sleep very much, but you'll be fine. Um, yeah, dude, he's been unbelievable. I had high hopes for the guy. He's been ridiculously good. Ridiculously good. So it's a long season. We shall see. But holy shit, he has been a revelation. What's the next meta technique after calf kicks? Um, I think some of the changes to jujitsu is a big one. The Craig Jones changes, the pinning versus the sort of the typical meta. Like the, the meta of jujitsu is changing. So like that's changing. Um, elbows might be something you might see more of standing. Um, I think ground and pound will change a little bit as well. And yeah, those three. Those three. Uh, this this dude says, thanks, Luke. Thank you, bro. Please, please, please. I hope to God on everything Dennis drops out so we can get a real fight. Boy, I tell you, I, if Dennis drops out of that fight and, and uh, Logan Paul has to fight Mike Perry, God help him, Mike Perry will fucking send his head into the third row. Mike Perry will fuck him up. I mean... <laughs> I mean, who disagrees with that, right? I mean, come on. Mike Perry, I mean, I'm not even like wishing it on the guy. I'm just speaking objectively. If they make that fight, betting on Mike Perry is free money. Free money. Free money if Mike Perry gets that call. I would I would honestly feel bad for Logan if they made that. I mean, not really, but you know, a little bit. I'd be like, oof, this is gonna be Mike Perry's about to send this dude into the fucking to the land of wind and ghosts. Make no mistake about it. Favorite Postobon flavor, Manzana. If Volkov wins and Stipe wins in two months, okay, uh, is that not a great main event for UFC 300? Volkov versus Stipe? Fuck no, that's not a great main event. That's kind of a, like a one. No. Um... Sean has said he is going to, quote, give it to the gods to win. Is Sean going to sacrifice a piece of himself in the altar of athletic glory to win but take the damage that could affect him going forward? Talking about Sean O'Malley? Yeah, he might. He might. I think that's what you mean. Unless I'm misunderstanding. My siblings and I are coming to D.C. soon. What restaurant should we hit up? We'd like to try different unique things, maybe Colombian restaurant. The Colombian restaurants here are only good if you want to pay a shit ton of money, which I don't recommend at all. Um, okay, easy ones. Duke's Grocery, like Duke Rufus. Duke's Grocery is an easy one. 
Um, La Diplomat is another easy one. Barcelona is another easy one. These are kind of all co-located. Uh, Maidan is another easy one. Um, Zaytuna, Zaytina, how the fuck they say it? The Jose Andres place. Um, um, Haleo is another one you could go to. Um, what else? Fuck. There's a bunch of good ones. Um, you could go, there's a Balkan restaurant, uh, Ambar, A-M-B-A-R. It's in Barracks Row. Phenomenal. You ever had Balkan food? That shit is delicious. That's real good. Um, you can go to delis like uh, Call Your Mother. Call Your Mother is amazing. Um, the Sweet Lobby for the best cupcakes in town. Um, Jose Lito for like really good Spanish. District Taco for just a good burrito bowl. Like, there you go, bro. Take, take this and I, I got you covered. We're good to go. Go. You can go to the Wharf. The Wharf's got a ton of good shit. Um, I've not been to the Gordon Ramsay. Oh, you want a sick burger? How about a sick burger? This is for anybody who comes to town. Go to Lucky Buns. Lucky Buns. Oh, dude, one of the best burgers you'll ever have. I mean, oh, amazing. Lucky Buns. You cannot go wrong. And also there is Mi Vida, an amazing Mexican restaurant. Like, I, I got you, folks. I got you. All right, look, if a champ from Muay Thai came to the UFC with great takedown defense, would they beat most of the UFC fighters they face? Izzy was a glory contender and a UFC champion. Uh, Aldo Anderson had Muay Thai background. Yeah, probably. I mean, a, a lot of this would depend on specifics, but you've seen like Muay Thai champs go into boxing and win world titles. Why couldn't they do that in MMA if they had good takedown defense? Yes. Yes, they could. The question is like, do they want to? And, you know, it, how would they get the good takedown defense? Because like to be a Muay Thai champ, you'd probably have to be all in on Muay Thai. But yes, you could do it that way. Um, um, so Yes. I think that they could. I, under that, if you could find that kind of dynamic, it would be the. It would yes, I think they could win. It's just the, the issue ends up being, how are you going to get a guy who's like a Muay Thai champ who's got sufficient kind of wrestling at that stage in their career? That's the part where it gets a little, you know, I don't know who exists like that. Uh, why is the MMA media ignoring Izzy's behavior with his dog? I mean, how many times are we going to fucking talk about it on this podcast? Like, what what like, what do you want me to say? I don't even know. Like, yeah, it's don't do that shit. It's gross and weird. Like, I don't. I, I mean, you get you're getting all of the talk about Izzy's dog's uh, hog that you can that you can stomach here today. Well, I mean, why are the other sites or whoever not talking about it? Probably because they think it's stupid, which it is. I mean, it's fucking stupid, uh, and also because it's gross, and also because it's. I, I think anything like, dude. If you're going to have an editorial slant where you pinpoint every awful thing an MMA fighter says or does, you would never be able to go to sleep. You would just have to constantly work. Because they say and do crazy shit. Like, not all of it is the same. That's not my point. But rather, like, if that was your editorial slant. So they take the opposite editorial slant, which is they only talk about the stuff that they really kind of have to. And I think that if you're feeling like they're not, they probably feel like they don't have to. That's that's a guess. You know, I kind of try to feel this stuff here so that it can get aired, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Here's more of it. You guys are very interested in discussing this topic. Luke, hope you're doing uh, good. Izzy is one of the greats, but that touching a dog thing is strange. Yeah. Why are MMA fighters so weird sometimes? Dude, you got to be a little bit... I'm not defending any one particular act or viewpoint, but rather like 
in order to do that job, you got to be a little bit off. Like I, you know, Uriah Faber is pretty, pretty down to earth. It's not a universal rule, certainly, but I mean, dude, I think to be in this job, like dude, to think if, if you're loving this media cycle, it's a 100% chance you're uh, a virgin. And, you know, like I can understand wanting to engage with the topic because you find it off-putting and like you're trying to like do your due diligence fine but like if you think it's like this is like really interesting you know you've never made a woman come like there's just a, there's no it's not possible like this is this is the most absurdly fucking stupid thing on earth however gross and uh off-putting it quite genuinely can be um i'm not saying that this person who left the donation necessarily feels that way again i understand a initial curiosity about it but at some point you're just like oh my god anyway um but dude you got to be a little bit off to do this job you do like it's it's a difficult weird job that recruits tough weird people who have unusual ideas i mean they fight in a cage for a living and they have to go do press conferences for the world and they got to share their life it's a weird job dude it's a really weird occupation. So you're gonna you're gonna draw strange folks as a consequence. Oluwadana White. Okay, all right. Uh Jeff, thank you, Jeff. Hans. What kind of things do UFC matchmakers look at when putting fights together? Availability, what they're owed, not like monetarily, but uh like did we promise this guy who's available? I do again you got to look at they're building a calendar and how do those pieces fit into the calendar also they tend to want to balance not having too much of one division on one um, if we're going to bring a title fight at 145 here where do we need to bring a title fight for 155 where does that make sense so it's really about balancing uh headlining needs it's about balancing the cards needs who who is owed a fight that kind of a thing and they just sort of build it out with these sort of comp and again a lot of it is just who's available and like they build up these competing uh, cards, essentially. Thank you for everything. Your content is magical. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I appreciate it. Uh, Simon says, I had the same issue waking at 3 a.m. like clockwork. Focused on sleep hygiene, no difference. I was very unhappy at work. Once I got a new job, I slept better. Wow. Am I unhappy at work? Could be. Could be. How they're talking about the genitalia of dogs all day. It'll do it to you. Hope you figure it out, mate. Yeah, you might be right, bro. You might be right. You might be fucking right. My guy, Aunt Evans. I always thought Izzy was a... <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, I've always thought Izzy was a Paul Mans Anderson Silva. Yeah, that's good. Well done. You got you got a laugh for me. Well done. Uh, what pound did you get BC from? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. You guys are good with the jokes today. All right. I'm loving this. Han. Thank you, Han. Uh, Jose, favorite book of all time. Um, Shitballs. Fiction? Sound and the Fury? Um, nonfiction? That's a tougher one. Nonfiction. That's a tougher one. I'm not sure nonfiction. I've got so many I would have to pick from. Do you see Volk putting on a masterclass on Ilya? If the Volk that showed up against Yair is there, yes. But I keep waiting for him to like, for age to kind of like push him over that, you know? So if he can avoid that, I think he'll be okay. But um, 
if Volk is still in his relative prime when he fights Ilya, he should beat Ilya. But I we'll see what we'll see what happens. I meant Sean Strickland. I don't know what this was from. Sorry, dude. Me- message me if I can get a better answer for you. Uh, thoughts about the press conference? Cop going crazy. Yeah, reminded me of the Lee Kiesa fight. Was the press conference better than expected? It was fine. I didn't. I mean, I thought it was. I thought it was. You know, okay. Uh, shouts to Aaron Bronstetter. Let me show you this. Because he had a. Uh, I'm gonna pull this up. Yeah. Hold on. Look at this. Uh, what the fuck? No. Hold on. Ah, god damn it. Can't pull this thing up. Oh, you know what I can do? I got it. I got it. Here. Let me show you this. So, you know, I'm getting this from Aaron Bronson. I want to give him credit, but this was the issue that he had highlighted. Here we go. Like, look, like, you know, he competed in 2021. He missed weight, which is what this means, by the way. And then he beat Zalgas Zumagulov, knocked him out in the first. Was supposed to have a fight against Sumadarji, canceled. Supposed to have a fight against uh, Rogerio Bontarin, canceled. Wins against David Dvorak, that's in 2022. Was supposed to have a fight in, uh, let's see, uh, March of this year, canceled. Devison Figueredo, July, canceled. Kai Car of France, this one, canceled. And so he gets this one last minute notice. And so you're like, you can understand why a guy would be, you know, not like chucking shit necessarily, but why he'd be pissed and short fuse. He seems like a short tempered guy anyway, but I can get it, man. Like he's been fucked over, not by any fault of his own, just by guys getting injuries. And you know, these guys can't fight. He can't fight. He can't make his money. Like I get it. I get, I get being pissed off about that. I'm baffled by Dana criticizing DDP for not taking the fight. Does he want a repeat of Aljo versus TJ? Fighters are rarely at 100, percent but if they're not, if they're if, but if they're seriously compromised, you get one-sided ordeal. I mean, part of it obviously is this just desire to put guys in positions to not want to say no. Hey, you say no, there's consequences, and they don't make it like, oh, we're not going to pick you. The way they frame it is, hey, the sport passes you by, and that's true to some extent. Like, if you're out a while, the sport just kind of does pass you by. The title has to stay in rotation. The champ needs a challenger. Like, that's a real thing. Uh, if, if the timeline is long enough, but at the same point, it's like, if you're a number one contender, you know, these guys have to like murder themselves to get to these points. Like they don't want to take title fights all fucked up. Would you, would you, you know, it's very easy to be like, I'll take the fight when you're banged up, just be tough and like gritted, you know, gritted out. But like, dude, you're fighting the champion, whatever weight class it is, whether it's DDP at 185 or any other weight, like if you're you're fighting in a championship fight, like, do you want to fight under those circumstances? Of course not. Like you're like, fuck dude, I need a chance to get right. And they wait until like they earn what they feel like is a, Hey, I've climbed the mountain. I'm like undeniable. I'm going to, I want to keep this spot. And I, and I understand that. Uh, It's just that, you know, the matchmaker and the promoter has significant control over this whole situation. And it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know I, like what is the right answer. I think the right answer is probably focusing on your long-term health, but you know, like, dude, they have a content schedule and that schedule has to be met. The demands have to be met. The fights have to be there. Again, one of the most important things people act like, you know, what's the, what's the, what's one thing you can really do for the UFC if you're a fighter, stay healthy, stay ready. That is so valuable to them. Stay healthy, stay ready. 
based on the way they have designed their product and how they sell that product uh, for media rights and everything else. Like they need guys who are ready to go. They don't haggle. You know, they're not, and dude, like to that point, like is he's been an iron man, like he's constantly in rotation. Like, he slowed down a little bit um, since, you know, the last couple of years or whatever. But like when he was first a contender, he was like roaring through Conor McGregor, taking fights at a steady clip, steady clip, steady clip, steady clip. Dude, that's what they love. They love guys who do that and took the fight against Chad Mendez all fucked up, you know? So that's what they're looking for. And um, it's because that's what the product really, really needs. But like if you know if your if your neck is messed up if your back is messed up I I understand like valuing your long term health I wish there was a fairer process it's just this is not where we're at Luke can the does the rematch clause require Spence Crawford fight at one forty seven um, I believe Spence gets to pick right the loser gets to pick the weight class yes I think that's right uh, can Crawford decline if Spence wants to be up a weight at one a weight class no. I think the way it worked was um, loser who triggers it gets to pick the weight class. So I think it's going to be 154. I mean, is there going to be a different result? I have no fucking clue. I, <laughs> Hard to see how that one goes a whole. I mean, it, it definitely can't go much worse, right? Oh, here we go. Strickland said he was going to get... Oh, Sean Strickland. Oh, sorry. Give it to the gods to beat Izzy. Sorry. Could he suffer a beating that might alter his career going forward? Um, No. No. It's the guys who are like super durable and resistant. Like, I'm not saying he's not tough. He's obviously tough as shit. But he doesn't have like John Lineker chin. He doesn't have otherworldly durability. He's got like normal for a prize fighter durability. So... I don't think it would like the, the the beatings you have to worry about are like the yes the highly vicious KOs that could be one you know Jessica I getting like torn up with that head kick by Shevchenko but the one I really worry about is not just that that has often more psychological components although concussion can be play a role but it often has psychological components the one that makes you worried is not that one the one that makes you worried is when they take a sustained beating over time like what's round after round after round of just like 10, 8, 10, 8, 10, 8. That's when you're like, oh, dude, somebody put a fucking stop to this, you know? And then nobody does. Like, this is a title fight. Like, we don't want to stop them. And it's like, okay, dude, like, well, you know, let's see how this guy looks when he's 50 and he can't find his car keys. Luke, I heard a rumor, uh, must be true, that Dana added a part to UFC contract for any. Okay, so this is this. Okay, let me clarify this one. Heard a rumor that Dana added a part to UFC contracts where any business fighters make out of the UFC, but while still under UFC contract, UFC gets a cut. Is this true? So the way to understand this is it could be true. Here's what I mean by that. You're like, well, what does that mean? It is a legal interpretation. Nobody actually knows. Some lawyers have looked at a certain provision in the contract and say that it could be interpreted that way. That doesn't mean UFC has done it or is going to do it or will like or also believes that they have a contractual right to it. It's not there's nothing in the contract that says if you open a business in the UFC uh, as an independent contractor while you're here with us, we get a cut of it. That's not what it says. It's much more convoluted language. And so there's like this kind of lawyerly interpretation. But other lawyers disagree and don't think that's the case. So it remains unclear, but it's just a question of 
what would the UFC do if they do interpret it in a way that gives them license to do that? They have not exercised it. They may not view it that way. It's a legal interpretation. And that sounds like fuzzy math or to borrow from George W. Bush. Like, well, what does that really mean? It might mean nothing. It probably means nothing. There was a lot of like fervor about it. But um, when you really begin to examine it, it's just an interpretation from a certain group of lawyers that other lawyers may not share, UFC may not share, in which case all of this is a moot point. So it really becomes a question of let's just see what the UFC does. And I suspect that they won't do that um, because now you're blurring the line between independent contractor and employee in ways that is kind of crazy. All right? All right, are we done? I think we're done. Hey, guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here. I hope you got out of this chat what you wanted. Um, I don't know if you did. Hey, wish me luck on getting some sleep tonight. That would be great. I would be super, super happy if I could get some sleep tonight. Um, but we'll, we shall see. We shall see. All right? Uh, podcast will go up tonight. All that good stuff. Um, but yeah, we're done here for today. So thanks to Othello. Thanks to Ann Evans. Thanks to all you guys for being here. I greatly appreciate it. You can always email me, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. And until next time, stay frosty. <laughs>